0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Reach Your Summit podcast, where we help you navigate the path to a better, more secure future. We are back here with our advisor, Josh Aller, from our Ridgeland, Mississippi office to continue our conversation about all things college planning and college savings. So thanks for being back here with us, Josh.
1: You bet. It's a pleasure to be back.
0: So today we're diving more into college savings and kind of what those options are. If you can start early and start planning um, to save for a future child's college education. Uh, So when people think about paying for college, typically when they come in and talk to you, what are their thoughts about it? What do they know about and what do they think their options are?
1: Well, truthfully, most people just don't even want to talk about it. They just say, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness, like, we'll worry about that another day. Yeah, you know, truthfully, everybody knows it's something they need to be planning for. Everybody knows it's a massively large expense coming down the road, you know, but some people's financial situations are different than others. Some people can afford to think about it. And some people, you know, you're know, trying to get by for the next year or two. Most people are thinking that's just you know something we're going to kick down the road. We'll worry about that yeah. later. You know, I try to urge them not to not to do that, not to think that way. Let's set up something to where we're saving now because, you know, the compound interest in some kind of savings of vehicle right now is going to pay massive dividends later. Uh, but, you know, like I said, most people don't realize that there's tons of options to pay for college out there regarding scholarships. Need based aid is a big one. You've got the FAFSA, you know, the free application for federal student aid. I think we're going to touch on that maybe on a different uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's student loans, government loans, parent plus loans. Uh, you know, there's even tax credits you get for, you know, going to college between the lifetime learning credit and the what's it, American Opportunity Tax Credit. So they, the government has tried its best to make it as easy as possible to pay for college. But, you know, it requires a little little motivation on a your little, side. Yeah, a little yeah.
0: initiative to get in there Yeah, little initiative. get That's going. Good.
1: Better word for
0: it. And there's also the savings options, which you're very familiar with if people can start early um, and get that going. So, a big one that people hear about, and I feel like it's one of those mythical creatures, like they don't know what that is. It's something to do with college, but it's a 529 college savings account. So, kind of what is that? And what are some of the nuances that go into having a 529?
1: Yes, the mythical five twenty nine savings plan. These accounts are incredible to me. They're probably second best, maybe third best behind an HSA and a Roth IRA. You know what these accounts are is essentially, you know, you take your after tax dollars, dollars that come in from your your job that hit your paycheck, you invest them into this account. However much money that may be, you invest them, in you know. Financial securities, whether that's stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and you invest it over a long period of time. So let's say it's you know, 15, 20 years, or let's say 18 years before your kid goes to college, and any growth within that account. So let's say you put $20,000 in there, 20 years down the road, that account's worth $50,000. You've got $30,000 of earnings in there. And whenever as long as you use that money to pay for qualified keyword qualified educational expenses, all of that okay. those earnings, that that growth that's accumulated within that account are completely tax-free. Wow. So it's free money on the board. Yeah. As long as you use it for college. There's also you can use it for you know K through twelve expenses to an extent. You can only use up to ten thousand dollars per year on tuition only. You can use it on books, certain fees. Uh, room and board, which is a big one. Uh, you cannot use it for like transportation, so you can't use this account to go out and buy a car for your son or your daughter. Uh, but like I said, the key point, the key thing about it is all that tax-free growth in there that's been building up over the years. You get to pull it out completely tax-free as long as you use it to pay for college. The questions I get a lot say, "Okay, Josh, how much should I be putting in there?" Well, you know, we can sit down with clients, you know, very easily and look up the cost of college, talk to them about. Do we think their kids are going to get scholarships? Do we think they're going to actually go to college or are they going to go to trade school? Are they going to go to junior college? You know, we can kind of come up with a plan and say, Hey, let's start putting X amount of dollars in there nowadays with the cost of college and the options of graduate school, getting a PhD, going to medical school, whatever it may be. It's really kind of hard to overfund these things. Even five years ago, I used to always kind of tread lightly on the clients about hey, there is a little worry about overfunding those things. However, the government has kind of changed the laws and rules to where overfunding them is really not as scary as a proposition anymore. Another question I get a lot of times, what if my kid does get scholarships? What if we get $50,000 in this account and he goes and gets a full ride? The way that works is you can then pull funds out up to the amount of scholarships they get. Let's say you got $50,000 in this account. They get $15,000 in scholarships in one year. You can take $15,000 out that year. However, you do have to pay taxes on whatever that income is. So you don't get okay. that full tax benefit out of the deal. But you know, it's, still it's not money good.
0: lost or anything. Exactly. It's not like, know, the yeah. amount of
1: taxes you're paying on that gain is probably pretty minimal based on the amount that you earned on it.
0: What kind of are some of the limits to contributing to a 529? Like, is this something anybody can do? Or are there certain you know income levels that can't do it? Anything like that?
1: So first of all, I do want to point out that a 529, you set it up as, you know, usually a parent or a grandparent is the owner of the 529, and then you have the beneficiary is going to be the child that you think, you know, is expecting to go to college down the road. Every state in the United States has their own 529 plan. Mississippi has one, Alabama has one, Colorado has one. And so in some states, like like I live in the state of Mississippi, there are tax benefits to open up a Mississippi 529. Okay. And so I can put up to $20,000 a year uh, into this 529, and I would get $20,000 deduction on my Mississippi income taxes. It's a nice little perk. You know, look it up in, your, in the state that you live in and see if there's any tax benefits to opening it up. Now, every state does have a maximum amount that you can put into a 529 account. I think for mm-hmm. the state of Mississippi, it's like 200, $235,000 is the most that I could put into a fast way nine for my, my daughter. I think the highest I saw is California. I think it's like 525 or $30,000, something like that. That's the max you can put in there. And so they do yeah. cut that off at an eventual point in time. The only other thing, as far as limits, you know, you could put $50,000 into a fast way nine if you wanted to. However, that is considered a gift from yourself to your child. And then you would have to possibly have to pay some gift tax or dip into your gift tax exclusion uh, in the event that happens. And so this year, the gift tax, the exclusion amount that you don't have to report is $17,000. So technically, me and my wife could put up to $34,000 into a 529 for my daughter and not have to worry about filing any kind of gift tax return.
0: You are not overhyping this account. This is (laughs) like everything you're saying sounds amazing. Um, if you like
1: basically option. free money, then yeah. <laughs> uh, not the way to go.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that every state has their own 529 plan. Um, So say your daughter, you're in Mississippi, she wants to go out of state somewhere. Can she use this out of state or is she to have to stay in Mississippi for it?
1: 100% she can use it out of state. I personally, the strategy that I use, I have a, a Mississippi 529 for my daughter that I'm funding. And in my mind, this is just because my mind, it's easier for me to separate it this way. This is going to be funds that we're going to use for high school and private school here in Jackson, Mississippi. So I get a little bit of tax break on that. And then I have a 529 plan in the state of New York that I do that And mentally I'm going to use for my daughter for college. And so I'm kind of funding them with different amounts. But like I said, I could pull from either one of them, pay for college, but mentally, I'm kind of separating those two. You can have as many 529 plans as you want. Uh, and then, like I said, if we are fortunate enough to have another child, and let's say my daughter you know, grows up to be 18 years old, and decides college is not for her. Another great thing about these 529 accounts is that any money that I've put into the 529 for my daughter, uh, I can take that and roll it over to another child.
0: That is huge. I was going to ask you like read my mind. What happens if a kid doesn't want to go to college once they get that to that age or they go to college and it's not a very expensive school and there's money left over?
1: Exactly. So you can take that money and you can roll it over to another beneficiary, roll it over to a grandchild. You know, I've I've seen cases. We don't have any clients that have done this, but I've seen cases where there's five hundred thousand dollars in a five twenty nine plan. They put it yeah. literally all into just one child's account. They've got four children, you know, the oldest child. Okay. If they decide not to go to college, they just kind of, it kind of just starts rolling downhill. They roll yeah. it to the next child, roll to the next child. If you've got three or four kids, more than likely, you know, a couple of them are going to go to college. A couple of them may go to grad school. They may go to med school, whatever it is. You really can't probably overfund these things at this point in time. One nuance I did want to mention Let's say, let's just say you got two children, you, you put X amount of dollars in these 529s, they both go on to college, they graduate, they've got jobs, and you got $20,000 left in each account. One really cool thing about these things, they just passed this in the SECURE Act 2.0, which I think passed in 2021, yeah. is that if you do have this money left over in these 529 accounts for each kid... Uh, you don't need the money, you're financially secure, you're working your way towards retirement, you put together your retirement plan, you then can actually open up Roth IRAs for each one of these children and roll over. Essentially, there's a few nuances to it, but roll that $20,000 each into each kid's Roth IRA at that point in time. It really kind of gives them a jump start on life as far as retirement. You know, I personally did not inherit a $20,000 Roth IRA. It's just a little nuance that... uh. You know, the government has installed moving forward, which I'm a big fan of.
0: Yeah, there would be no complaints on my part if I had something like that rolled over just to kickstart me, you know? When Um, I was
1: 22, I didn't know how to spell Roth IRA. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And what a gift you can give your kids. I mean, the whole thing in general, just a 529, but also if there is something left over that you're able to help them out even more with that. Exactly. There's another savings plan that's not quite as popular, but it does come up there. I have seen them from time to time with some of our clients. It's called a Coverdell savings Mm -hmm. plan. What are some of the aspects of a Coverdell, and kind of how how do you feel like it compares? I guess difference wise to a five twenty nine.
1: Yeah, so there there are a few little nuanced differences there between a Coverdell and a five twenty nine. I'm a pro five twenty nine guy, but you know there are a few I guess benefits to a Coverdell ESA as well. And truthfully, when I did a little research on this, I did not realize the Coverdell ESA had been introduced. Later than the five twenty nine. The five twenty nine was created, oh, wow. I think, in ninety seven. Coverdell was in, I think, two thousand seven. Which kind yeah, of yeah, I
0: always just assumed a Coverdell was way older.
1: <laughs> I did too. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Know, did not know that. But uh, so a Coverdell ESA is very similar to a five twenty nine. You can open these up. You know, most of the time at any bank, any kind of brokerage warehouse you know, Merrill Lynch, Fidelity, something like that, and you can you know, invest money in there. As that money grows, it works the same way as a 529. Any growth in that account, as long as you use them for qualified education expenses, uh, is completely tax free. You're not paying tax on any of that growth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest probably inhibitor or downside of the Coverdale is that you only have a $2,000 limit per child. 529, like I said, we can put, yeah, I usually recommend not putting any more than the gift tax, annual gift tax exclusion is, but. You know, you can put up to seventeen, even thirty-four thousand dollars if you're married into a 5 nine, mm-hmm. if you have those funds available. Coverdale is just two thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, also, there's income limits on the Coverdell. Uh, I think it's around two hundred twenty thousand dollars. Once your 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 AGI, your adjusted gross income goes over two hundred twenty thousand dollars, they don't let you fund a Coverdell anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, lastly, okay.
1: Coverdells. You know, you have one up your daughter. They go to school. You don't Mm -hmm. use it all. If you don't roll that over to another beneficiary, the account balance has to be zero by the time they're age thirty. So, okay, not the case for a five twenty nine. You can all you kind of hold on to that for as long as you like and roll it over into another child grandchild's account at some point in time. Uh, I'd say the positives of the Coverdells is that they don't limit you on the amount that you can use for like K through twelve schooling. You you can use that amount for you know, tuition, fees, books, whatever it may be, they're a little more, you know, expansive on what you can use it for in the K through 12. Whereas 529s, you can only use it on $10,000 of tuition. I'd say the biggest benefit of Coverdale, say, if you go open one up with, you know, Summit Wealth Group, you go open one up with Fidelity, whoever it may be, you know, you're, the amount of investment options you have is unlimited. There's, you know, thousands of mutual funds out there, ETFs, whatever it is, you can invest in just about anything. Whereas when you invest in a state 529 plan, there's only, you know, 15 mutual funds you can pick from. They've got, you know, allocation funds, growth funds, value funds, things like that. But the options are very limited. You're limited to one mutual fund family. You know, I think state of Mississippi uses TI Cref, state of New York uses JP Morgan. You know, so you're right. kind of limited a little bit on what funds you could choose, but that's in general kind of how it works. Like I said, the low limits on the Coverdell usually is kind of the the deal breaker for for most clients.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a limitation. Uh, when you said the two thousand dollar limit on there, I'm like, wow. I mean, yeah, it's not. If you're going to a big school, it's not going to cover much. But yeah, exactly. and I know you said you're five twenty nine pro all the way. But do you have any situations where like a Coverdell would be better for a client than a 529?
1: Yeah. I think if you're going to a very expensive private school, K through 12, you know, being able to, if you, especially if you start early, you start at age one and you're putting $2,000 a year, let's say for, you know, 10 years, you got 20 Mm -hmm. grand of your contributions into a Coverdell. And then you, you know, with some hopefully with some growth, you've got, you know, I don't know, thirty to fifty thousand dollars in that account. Yeah, you know, I think that's a sure. good example of when a Coverdell could be advantageous. Because, like I said, there are those limitations. You can only use it on tuition for five twenty nines. Yeah, uh, that's probably the biggest one right there. Like I said, five twenty nine is my third favorite investment account out there behind the Roth yeah. <laughs> HSA. So, you know, five twenty nines are they're pretty good products. It's Hard
0: to beat. They it's are hard to beat for sure. Well, that is a great deep dive on 529s. You gave us a lot of information and definitely a lot of things for people to kind of think about and ask their advisor, reach out questions if some of this stuff might apply to them. That one wraps up this episode of our college savings and planning series. Again, as a reminder, if you're more interested in learning about the college planning and savings routes that we talk about, tune in for the next couple weeks. We did an episode last week on just estimating cost and how you choose a college. Uh, We're going to be going into more about saving and uh, some of the government. government aid, um, things you can do for college, and then student loans. We will dip our toe into that topic.
1: Exciting stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast brought to you by Summit Wealth Group. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, please email us at info at